Cool. So I'm reading from Hebrews chapter 10, 32 to 39. Remember those early days after you had received the light when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised for. In just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. End, but but my righteous one will live by faith and I will take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. And then over to chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such great cloud of witnesses, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. After our Bible talk today, we will have, as Jeff said, a Q&A over the book of Hebrews, so do um, get ready to ask any questions that might be helpful, if this is a helpful thing for you uh, as well. Yeah. So this year, um, just gone almost at the end, uh, I ran a thousand kilometres. I did some long runs and I learnt very quickly this year that I can do about 15 kilometres without any support. Not ideal, but I can get that far with no food, friends, water or anything. But at 15 kilometres, I fall over, literally. I hit a wall and I have to stop. And I learnt that a few months back, so I tried it again the next week. But this time, I took with me water, food, I told someone where I was going, in case I did fall over, and I made it to the half marathon mark. It was hard, but the stuff with me along the way made all the difference. The mindset of being prepared and ready for a long run helped me to not hit the wall. And today, I want us to ask ourselves the question, Perhaps you're hitting a wall in your faith. Not physically running or anything, but with the year coming to an end, with work and life being so very busy, with habits that have formed that I'm sure that are less than ideal for perfect faith running conditions, that the steady good effort you began January 1, 2022 in may have become a slow plod or a sit down at this moment. And if that's you you feel like you're hitting a wall on your faith, then Hebrews comes along and reminds us what God is doing to help us, to help you keep going. And keep going you must. When you are saved, 
by faith in Jesus, you're born again, you have the ability to go on with spirit-filled, faith-fueled effort. Are you hitting a wall in your faith? So today, I want us to consider God's way of strengthening us for the race of life. And by way of context, we read Hebrews 10, and Hebrews 10.36 begins this long, long, long section in Hebrews that runs all the way until 12.13. And it begins by saying, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you'll receive what he's promised. Perseverance is what we need. And to encourage us to keep going to persevere in the faith, Hebrews 11 comes along and reminds us of all those in the family of faith, right? The generations of our spiritual family who have all completed the race of life themselves, who are actually cheering us on to keep going by their example. Sitting in the stands, like we saw in the all ages, are the likes of Abraham and Moses, Joseph, Jephthah, Rahab, like a cloud surrounding us, showing us what faith looks like in all the ups and all the downs of life. You know, but for all the good, helpful encouragements that, and examples that are in Hebrews 11, there is one person that was missed in that list. And so Hebrews 12 comes along and finishes that list for us with one final person who's not just a runner in the Christian life, but the founder and perfecter himself. Yes, it's Jesus. You see, chapter 11, greatly encouraging, but there's only one we're called to fix our eyes upon, to consider with such intentionality and careful deliberation, and that's Jesus. And to do that, we're drawn into the images of sports and running. And in fact, Hebrews 10.36 all the way to 12.13 draws on these sports and running pictures quite a lot. And every time, in fact, the New Testament draws on a sports or running analogy, the writers are emphasizing a different aspect of the Christian life through that example. And the running image of Hebrews 12 is a long-distance run of a runner who's struggling in the race. Maybe they've hit 15 kilometers, and it's hard. And the author of Hebrews says, don't give up. And then in chapter 12, verse 12 and 13 you'll read the final two imperatives of this section, encouraging us with, by ending the athletic imagery, saying, therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet. So you see, encouragement to keep going. When you feel like you're hitting a wall in your faith, maybe wanting to quit, that's the overall big idea in these three chapters or so. And today I just want to sit in verse 12, chapter 12, 1 to 3, And look closely at why it matters that we consider Jesus. Because the big idea is that by looking to Jesus, God supplies the stamina to run the race to the finish line. By looking to Jesus, God supplies the stamina to run the race to the finish line. And we're told in in chapter 12, verse 1, first of all, to run with perseverance. We're told to run, not walk, not mosey on as a Jesus follower. Run with perseverance inspired by those that have gone before us. Therefore since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. All those listed in chapter 11, they're they're more than just telling a good story or sitting silent on the pages of history or to be understood as a moral lesson for life or thought of as allegories for deeper spiritual meanings. No. Their witness to the faith speaks to us today. Imagine you're at a late oval 
and you get to run around it or whatever sport you like doing. And as you look in the stands, as you're in there on the oval, you look around and you see those listed in Hebrews chapter 11. They're, they're cheering you on. They're the spectators. But they're like the retired AFL coach or players, right, that sit there in the stands all those years after they've given up their boots, cheering on the new recruits. They're around us for us to look at. We look to them. Their life is a witness to what it means to hope for what is not yet seen, God's kingdom. Their life is a witness to suffering faithfully, joyfully, and for something better to come. Their life is a witness in being misunderstood for the sake of God. How his approval is more valuable than a good reputation. Their life is a witness of being approved by God through faith, but not receiving the full entitlement that faith brings. Their life is an example of following God in their period of time when it's a hostile world around them. They are examples of overcoming sin, of being sinful, yet still being trophies of grace and mercy, just like you and me. They're examples of perseverance cheering us on, so run. Run encouraged from your family of faith all around you, just as they did. And as they did, so we must too, throw off everything that hinders you and sin that so easily entangles. The rest of the verse says, throw it off. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. A few years ago, uh, I was out at a meeting one night and I got driving home late and my car broke down about two kilometres from home. And I knew I could run that far because I'd done that before. So I grabbed my bag and my jacket and my dress shoes there and everything. And off I went about 11.30 at night running down the side of the road wearing very inappropriate clothes for running. And I thought, I can do this, this will be fine. And the first probably 25 seconds was okay and then I quickly realized that running with a jacket and a bag with a laptop and dress shoes and tight skinny jeans and a suit jacket is not the best conducive conditions to run a race but I wanted to throw them off because I was being hindered I can't run well with that stuff and that's exactly what's behind the idea of anything that hinders are there habits that are weighing you down are there things that you are doing that perhaps are slowing you down as a Christian Maybe you're hitting a wall simply because you're trying to enjoy and live with the fleeting pleasure of sin, thinking it's not a big deal, I can keep running. Is there a mindset, an attitude, a distraction that has developed? Are you running in dress shoes, knowing full well that you're not going to go very far? Because we all have different weights and sins that pull us down. We all have sins that we would find besetting and harder, more complex to overcome than others. And in fact, it's easy, it says, for us to get entangled in those. And so we're told to dump them, dump them before Jesus, throw off those weights onto the one who died for your sin and evil and who suffered what you deserve. And as you do, know that Hebrews has reminded us and still does that you will always find grace and mercy at Jesus' feet. And as you throw them off by confessing your sins and admitting your struggles, it means clinging, confessing and embracing the grace of God. You see, one of the big, biggest hindrances is what happens after we sin too. It's the story that says you're too messed up. You're useless. You're good for nothing. You did it again. But that was the last worst sin you could ever have done and you've done it once again. Maybe you've thought that way. But you see, that's not the way Jesus views you. In chapter 12, verse 4, we're reminded sin is a struggle, 
but it's your struggle you face with the grace and mercy of God. Think back, chapter 9, 14 says, the Spirit of God cleans your conscience. Chapter 4, verse 15 says, Jesus understands your weakness and he gives grace and mercy in your hour of need. You just have to come and that might mean in the next hour you need more grace and mercy. In the next hour you need more grace and mercy. Or as chapter 5, verse 9 says, Jesus became the perfect salvation for you. And what's more, in those moments of sin and distraction, you often compare yourself to others as well, wishing that we didn't have the same weight or sin or temptation, looking at others and saying, I'm envying your life because it looks nicer, better, safer. I wish I had your sin, not my sin. But you see, temptation when when playing a sport is to focus too much on others, especially when you're losing. When you're down 20 points with one minute left, you fall into despair, thinking the greatest, they're the greatest team in the world. You envy their stamina and their skill. You wish you could shoot like they do. But it also happens when you're up by 20 points with one minute to go and you get lazy, big-headed, prideful. You take your eyes off the prize and you might do foolish things by throwing halfway shots, knowing full well you'll never get them in. Now, Hebrews knows we do that in life as well. And so Hebrews says... Run the race set before us. The race marked out for you is a course set by God. You do not run Abraham's race. You do not run my race. The person next to you, you're not running their race. You are running your race. Your life is a track, a racetrack that God knows, even if you don't see clearly every twist and turn. God knows the conditions of each of you. Do you realize that? The condition of your heart is very aware to God. In 2021, a horrible storm formed over the mountains of a gruelling 96-kilometre ultramarathon that the climbers would climb some 10,000 feet over the course of that race. This storm was so quick and sudden that the runners were not equipped for such conditions. The race officials were absolutely thrown off guard by the changing weather because no one expected a storm that bad for that time of year and it quickly turned to sub-zero temperatures up high on the mountain. It meant there was no support available when they needed it. The weather was too bad and unfortunately 21 runners never made it back alive. Those that did were lost and isolated and stayed alive in caves overnight. In our race, the race official, the organiser, God, is not baffled by changing conditions. He is aware. He is not waiting for the conditions to change before he can reach you either like the race officials did in that race. Even when the present struggle feels like such an unbearable load, trapped in a cold cave all night waiting for the sun, faith meets us there to give us grace and endurance to keep going. Listen to how 2 Corinthians talks about this. For our light momentary troubles are achieving an eternal weight of glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen but what is unseen since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So we run with perseverance. But this is where the final race tactic comes in, and it's the most important. It's having a steady gaze upon Jesus, fixing our eyes on what is to come, and having our sight set, not on fellow athletes, not just on them, but on the author and perfecter of the entire race. And maybe you've hit a wall at the moment because you've simply taken your eyes off Jesus. 
Which is why in the last in the last verse the imperative lands on the phrase consider. So fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of your faith. For the joy set before him he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. To fix our eyes on Jesus is to look differently than the witness of faith, witnesses of faith. Jesus is not just an example, but the object of faith, the one we place our faith in, the one to establish God's kingdom through his salvation, his covenant he's made with us. He is the pioneer of a new and better way of relating to God as the revelation, the source of eternal salvation to all who believe. Only his work on the cross gives us, as Hebrews said, a better revelation, a better priest, better rest, a better sacrifice. A great reformed theologian called Bavnik says this, Christ is himself Christianity. Without his name, person and work, there is no such thing as Christianity. Christ is not the one who points the way, but the way itself. Consider him. But, at this point, don't feel exhausted. The running images are not meant to make you feel more tired than you really are. They're to just draw out the reality, reality that you should already know about life and give you encouragement in that. The author is writing to those who are feeling fragile, um, frail, weak and overwhelmed. He's writing to those that are in ruts, that attempted to lay aside Jesus, which means there's something deeply encouraging in the imperative to consider Jesus. Isn't that great? What do you need when you're feeling like that? In a rut? Hit the wall? Look to Jesus. And what do you see when you look at him? Joyful endurance. This is remarkable. Joy is a motivation for endurance in the Christian life. Jesus had this mindset for the joy set before him. The joy was not the crucifix. His joy is you. It's his people enjoying the fruit of his salvation. That's his joy. His joy is us enjoying him. But he had to go through shame and disgrace first. That's why it says set before him. When there's a prize there, you strive for it. When it's in front of you, you go for it. That's the idea. It's the joy of sitting on the throne, making a way open to God possible, tearing that curtain down between the old and the new way, giving you access to prayer and endurance along the road of life, which means there is nothing wrong with a Christian to say, joy motivates me. In fact, joy must motivate you. After all, the struggle against sin in verse 4, the throwing off weights in verse 1, the opposition that comes from being a follower of Jesus is hard and joy keeps you going. Joy motivates you through that. Joy in Jesus, joy in what is to come, joy in giving up sin. Joy is what willingly lets me choose shame of following Jesus. Joy is what helps us grow weary and not lose heart. Joy is how we persevere. This is what the author is reminding us to weak, tired Christians. My dad said recently something very profoundly theological. He said to me about a week ago, I've never seen a smiling runner. And I thought, oh, he's been reading the Bible. Because you see, sometimes running's hard. 
But there's joy at the end. Not just joy in stopping. But if you're a runner, you know there's joy in the way your body feels, the kilometers covered, the progress made, the results. Those things are good. Sometimes our life is an exhausting few kilometers and there may not be a smile on your face. But a hard race does not mean you cannot have joy. A hard... Jesus ran and endured and felt the opposition. Jesus let himself be ridiculed, victimized, exposed. Jesus got booed for being who he was. Very early on, after um, Jesus had risen and the church began, about 200 AD, this piece of graffiti was found. One of the first pieces of graffiti, by the way, and it's of a, a boy booing, going like that, and there's a, a man on a crucifix with a donkey head, and it says, Alexamos worships his God, poking fun at Christians worshipping Jesus who died on the cross. Jesus, our author and perfecter, scorned that, valuing the approval and vision of God over that of others. And so too, we're reminded that living for God's vision, for God's approval, is part of running the race well. And because Jesus endured longer for the entire race and is the one we fix our eyes upon, hope and comfort's found by looking to him so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. You get puffed out when you run quick, but you get weary by running long. And a long run with Jesus is the idea here. And persecution, distraction, sin, they make us weary. And while we have to run, we're told to consider him as we do. We, and as we consider Jesus you will find your second wind and your third wind and your 10,000th wind to keep going and your next breath because God supplies all the stamina you need to run the race to the finish line. So let the stadium of your mind be filled with such people to encourage you on. Let the vision of your life be fixed joyfully on Jesus and what is to come. And if you feel like you've hit a wall in your faith today, maybe the words of Isaiah can have the last thought in your mind this morning. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You know, Jesus really is the better one to fix your eyes upon. And when you do, you will joyfully soar like an eagle in faith. If you would like to read more about the cloud of witnesses, I recommend a book called Faith for Life by Richard Koken. It's called Faith for Life. He talks all about those witnesses and what it means to have them as an example, but to keep our eyes on Jesus. Really great book. Good Christmas gift if you'd like one for yourself. And then over coffee, why not encourage tired, weary people in this room and just, how do you, how do you fix your eyes on Jesus? What do you do to do that? How do you fix your eyes on Jesus? Why don't you share with someone Here's what I do when I feel weary and black because I'm sure the encouragement will go a long way to someone else. Let me pray. We're going to sing and then we're going to have a brief Q&A if you have any questions about Hebrews. Let me pray for us. Our great God, you never tire or grow weary. Jesus, you ran and endured sin and temptation, never giving in all the way knowing full well what life is like and how weary it can be. You fell asleep on a boat in the middle of a storm, yet your power and glory is on display that you calm those storms. And many of us feel like we've hit a wall in our faith. But God, give us the perseverance in Jesus by considering him to keep going. And give us a glimpse of the joy of a life with you and what it brings.
So Father, thank you that you're with us. You never leave us or forsake us. Amen.